Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Really appreciate everybody hopping into this special Swarmcast mailbag edition. With the offseason looming, there's been a lot of questions about this Iowa team going into the summer months, but there's still no shortage of talking points. David Eichel from Hawkeye Insider 24-7 Sports here. Let's waste no time. Let's just dive into it. I'm happy that this was able to work out. You guys submitted some great questions. And again, there's a lot to talk about. So first question, what is a realistic expectation for Iowa running back Caleb Johnson this season? I think Iowa's offense is in a very unique situation. I think that you look at the two tight ends, Luke Lachey, Eric All. I would throw in maybe Aston Ostranga as a number three guy who could potentially contribute this season. Iowa's going to have some weapons, but I still believe Iowa's offense is going to be Iowa's offense. They're going to look to establish the run, and Iowa getting Dijon Parker as an offensive tackle. They're going to be adding Rusty Feth, the Miami-Ohio transfer this summer. Two guys that should be able to immediately step in and contribute. So if that Iowa offensive front looks good, Eric All at tight end is a good run blocker by pro football focus. Caleb Johnson is going to have his opportunities, and obviously Iowa's going to go with LaShawn Williams, and Caleb Johnson, I still expect Caleb Johnson to be the number one guy. I think he showcased himself well last year. So a freshman running back record of 773 yards. It's not going to surprise me if Caleb Johnson gets 1,200 yards this season. I, I think this is a year where he's really going to, you know, kind of his game's going to ascend. I, I think he's a double-digit touchdown caliber guy. I think he's going to get 100 yards a game, at least 1,200 yards for the season, he just strikes me as that dynamic game breaker. And again, Iowa's going to have to block well, but I think given the schedule, if Caleb Johnson continues to get stronger and really understand how to read the field instead of just kind of seeing green grass and running toward it, I think it's going to bode well for him. So I expect a potential all-conference year from from him. I'm not saying first team by any means. I think there's a lot of talented backs. But he strikes me as a guy that could be a potential third team. If he has a big enough year in Iowa, he has a good enough record, maybe a second team. I think Caleb Johnson, he has a really, really special opportunity, I think, over the course of his of his Iowa career. How many targets and touches should Iowa give new wide receiver Caleb Brown a game? Yeah, this is going to be a big talking point, I think, throughout the course of the offseason. Caleb Brown – only had one catch during his Ohio State career, but this is a top 75, top 80 prospect by the 24-7 sports composite. He's the first wide receiver in the top 100 of the 24-7 sports composite to ever commit to Iowa in the recruiting era. 5'10 and a half, 5'11, 195 pounds, explosive athlete, played a lot of running back in high school, played at Ohio State 
again, didn't get to play much, but that's arguably one of the best wide receiver rooms in the history of the game. So he was expected to get a little in a rotational piece this year, but he wants to be the guy and Iowa is going to offer him an opportunity to be the guy. I think he's going to bring a combination of Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce, both receivers who departed the program this offseason and transferred to Oklahoma State and Kansas State, respectively. But Caleb Brown, I think, is going to be all the lineup all over the field. I think he could throw a deep ball to him. He can go up and get it with his athleticism. I think they're going to run a lot of jet sweeps with him. I think they're going to run some screens with him. I think the early portion, they're not going to force him to understand the extensive playbook. Cause I do think that I was going to be able to do more on their offense just with the personnel they have this year. And they should, I mean, they have, on paper, this is a better offense than last season. Yes. Brian Ferentz is still the offensive coordinator. Yes. It's going to be up to him to put his players in a position to succeed, but you have to have eight to 10 touches. I think for Caleb Brown, I just think he he's a different breed of talent that Iowa has had in the wide receiver room. Maybe since Darrell Johnson, Koulianos, maybe Marvin McNutt. Again, they're different styles of receivers, but I'm saying in terms of talent. And remember, Marvin McNutt came in as a quarterback and he transitioned to a wide receiver. But I think Caleb Brown has all conference potential throughout his Iowa career. I think they're going to be able to utilize him in different ways. And I think they should. I think it'd be irresponsible not to. So, again, I think there's a lot of pressure on Brian Ferentz to be able to find a way to do that. Is Iowa going to have a different route tree? That That's such a tough question. It's such a simple question, but such a tough question to answer, right? I think, again, route trees that Iowa ran last year were due to a combination of things. One, the offensive line was just not good blocking, okay? They, they didn't give Petrus a lot of time. The routes didn't develop. I do think certain aspects of the route trees need to change because even the Iowa's fastest players – it just looks slow in developing those routes. It was a three-yard out route. Like, you can't run a three-yard out route on third and seven anymore. Iowa has to be more aggressive. They can't be afraid to turn the ball over like they were last year because at that point, you're not playing to win. You're just playing conservatively, and you're playing not to turn the ball over. That's not how you win a Big Ten championship, and that's Iowa's goal this season. So I think Iowa's getting more talented receivers. I think the offensive lines will be better. And you need to remember, Cade McNamara still is not – the most mobile quarterback, but he does a great job of maneuvering the pocket and he has the ability to extend plays. So again, I don't want to sit here and sound like captain optimistic, but again, I would give Iowa's transfer portal hall an A. I, I think that they've done a really, really nice job. I was probably at B plus to A minus, maybe B plus before Caleb Brown, but Caleb Brown made an A for me. I, I think he, again, he just brings a different element to that receiver room. So I'm going to say Iowa has the personnel to potentially change its route trees. Do I think it's going to happen? I think in some areas, yes. But is Iowa still going to be Iowa football? Yeah, no doubt. Any true freshman that could play a big role this fall? Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting question. I think there's a lot of areas that Iowa is pretty set in. I think they're really secure in it. I don't want to put Ontario Thompson in that freshman category because he was a transfer from Iowa Western, but that defensive line room, that's going to be really, really tough to crack. But you kind of go down the list. I think it's going to be tough for a lot of these guys to break through. But if there are guys that are going to break through, I mean, I'm going to look at the wide receiver room. I'm going to look at potentially Alex Moda from Marion, Iowa. I, You know, he played on a bad team, but – 
in kind of all over the field. But the freshman wide receivers, Dayton Howard, I think is very raw, but he was very, very productive in his high school career. Six foot five, 195. I think he's going to need to put on some more weight, add some more strength, learn the concepts, et cetera. So on the offensive side, maybe that, maybe Terrell Washington. I wouldn't say a big role for Terrell Washington, but he does bring a kind of different aspect on things. About five, nine and a half, 200 pounds, can play him at wide receiver, can play him in the backfield. Just a versatile athlete. Maybe Ben Keeter, the four-star linebacker out of Iowa City. I know he's going to be wrestling as well. And that linebacker room is pre-veteran and pre-set. So I think that's very lofty expectations. But, you know, I do look at this freshman class. There's a lot of pieces to like. But I really don't necessarily know if there's going to be a lot of guys that break through. And part of that is just due to the reason Iowa took so many transfers that are immediately going to kind of plug some of those potential holes that the Iowa lineup would have. How did the Caleb Brown commitment happen so fast and what swayed him to Iowa? Yeah. So let's talk about this just for a second. We did do a instant reaction swarm cast about Caleb Brown, but I'm happy to talk about it just a little bit. Obviously he entered the portal. He wanted to be closer to home. That was a big priority to him. And he wanted to be on the field. And Iowa did have a prior relationship with Caleb Brown and his family because they were one of the first schools to offer him. So right when you enter the portal, Iowa's focus shifted from A.J. Henning to Caleb Brown. And there's a higher upside there. They had a great relationship with them. And I think they were only going to take one more wide receiver because they were still looking at that cornerback spot. So he got to Iowa. Cade McNamara was his host. I think Cade and him formed a great bond from what I was told. I think that Caleb Brown really believes in McNamara. I think he believes that. Caleb Brown believes he'd be the most talented receiver in the room from right when he walked in. That's not what he said, but that's what sort of my pitch. Uh, if I was the Iowa coaches, that's what I would say. He would be the most talented. I think he sees opportunity there. He looked at just kind of, you know, the, the potential to shift the narrative around Iowa's offense. And I think all those things were appealing to him. So basically he was still being recruited by Oklahoma, Texas A&M wanted to get him on campus, but He's very close to his family. He wanted to stay close to home. It's only about three hours from his homeland of Chicago. It made a lot of sense, and Iowa did a great job on the visit. And, again, I think he surprised a lot of people by committing so quick. I thought it was going to linger until at least this week. But, you know, again, credit to Kirk Ferentz, credit to Cade McNamara, and Iowa did a great job of keeping that relationship open. And in this era of the transfer portal, it's critical – to not burn bridges in the recruiting process because if they transfer and you have a good relationship with them still, they could potentially look at your school. And what have I always said? Dudes recruit dudes. Cade McNamara recruited a dude. It's going to be very, very intriguing to watch what Caleb Brown does in an Iowa uniform. And we already touched on a little bit of the, uh, the football recruiting aspect. I'm going to bring, bring in Sean Bach throughout the second half of the podcast to be able to address some of those questions more directly. So any update on Lisa Bluter and company in the portal? Yeah, I think that's been a little bit frustrating for Iowa fans. I think, you know, Lauren Betts was a name that Iowa at least looked at a little bit. Anisha Morrow, they looked at a little bit. But LSU added Louisville guard Haley Van Lith and DePaul transfer Anisha Morrow. I mean, that's a super team at this point. It's going to be like modern-day Space Jam if they play again. I mean, it's going to be Caitlin Clark versus the Monstars, right? I mean, this is – it'd be a fun matchup. We'll see what happens. But I think Iowa's still evaluating the portal. But given the roster makeup right now, I think Iowa's going to look to play small ball. I think maybe they throw in Hannah Stolke at the five if they don't want to start Asno Grady. 
I think O'Grady has potential to be a pretty good player. I think she showcased it more her freshman year than this past year. But that, again, that's just given the opportunity she was at. Monica Sinano was on the floor a bunch, didn't really get much into foul trouble. And Caitlin Clark was obviously the focal point. So Iowa does have a scholarship open. And if they want to go that small ball route, maybe they look at getting an elite shot-making guard. Just something to throw out there. Again, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I do think that Lisa Bluter and company are going to have some decisions to make about how they want to play basketball. Uh, When's the housewarming party for my new house? Insert literally anywhere outside of Iowa. Yeah, okay. So for some context to this, a lot of news happened when I went to a wedding this past week. Caleb Brown obviously visited, committed. Iowa got another Football commit as well, and I had a feeling some of this stuff was going to happen, which is why I put out the tweet. I did not expect people to take it so seriously, so that's going to be a fun meme, I think, for the foreseeable future. But, hey, subscribe to HawkeyeInsider.com, and I can take more vacations and work remote if people think good things happen to that and they want to subscribe for that. That's fine. Uh, I will not complain about that. So let's see here. This is a good question here. Which three freshmen will get the most action this season? Who is a sleeper breakout player on offense and defense? And who will be our kickoff and punt returners game one? I don't think Iowa's going to make a change in punt returner. I think Cooper DeGene showed too much last year. I think from a kickoff perspective, maybe they tried to get rid of Caleb Johnson to just to limit that kind of physicality in that aspect. Maybe they throw in Caleb Brown to be able to do that because I think he has potential to be a dynamic returner. If they have Cooper DeGene back there, I think he could be back there. Maybe they throw in Xavier Wampa. I think Iowa has a little bit of abundance of riches there. And I think LeVar Woods does a great job with all those guys. So I would look at all of them for the kickoff and part returners. The three true freshmen, I already kind of touched on it, but I really don't know how much action a lot of these guys are going to get just given the depth that Iowa has at a lot of these positions. I'll say at least one freshman wide receiver. I can't really put anybody in that secondary in there. And I don't want to put a lineman in. Maybe a freshman offensive lineman get some rotational saps if they come in and dominate. Maybe Trevor Lauk. Offense tackle 6'6", 285. And I'll say Terrell Washington Jr. I, I just think those are really the only viable options at this point. Uh, then sleeper breakout player on offense and defense. See, I don't want to use Caleb Brown. He probably would have been it. I, I, I touched on this earlier. I think Logan Jones, I think he's had a very good spring. I think there's a lot of optimism within the program. And if he can take a step forward and Rusty Feth and Dijon Parker add some good things and Mason Richmond, Connor Colby and the others in Jenks Dunker battle it out, Iowa's offensive line can take a significant step forward. And I think that's something they're going to need to be able to do. On the defensive side of the ball, man, I'm going to go with Aaron Graves. I, I think his upside is as high as anybody on that defense. I don't know how many snaps he'll get because Iowa returns Wyatt Black, Logan Lee, Joe Evans, Deontay Craig, et cetera. But Aaron Graves is a future NFL guy. I think he's built differently in that aspect. So those would be some of those guys that I would certainly look at as potentially making a big, big difference. Any news on Kale Vanderbush? I know a lot of people worried about height, the X receiver. If I remember correctly, he's recruited a 6'6", 200-pound tight end, and he's a very fast runner. Could they throw him at wide receiver, the X, just for some jump ball situations? 
I, I think he's a year away still. I think they're still putting on some weight on him. I think he could be a good, good player for Iowa, and I really don't doubt the staff when it comes to recruiting tight ends. I think he's a year away. And again, I, I think Iowa, if they have smaller receivers, I think that can play. I think that's who they're going to run with. And that's why I'm intrigued to see how they how they really utilize Caleb Brown, right? I mean, Caleb Brown's a guy that I think could line up all over the field. I think he could play some X. I think he can, you know, do some different things. I think he can play the Y. I think that they're going to do everything they can to really, really utilize him. So a couple more questions before we bring in Sean Bach. Uh, will I be doing the summer school with Bud Elliott again on the 24-7 Sports Network? Yes, I'm going to be recording it on May 16th. I don't know when it's going to go live on our YouTube page, but that's 100% going to happen. I think Bud Elliott does a great job of, of covering college football for us. And then a lot of questions about me leaving uh, me leaving the state for more good news, etc. So what is going on with the investigation in Iowa City? Yeah, this is something I'm still monitoring heavily. I think I'm intrigued to see where this goes and who's involved. The Iowa gambling scandal, I believe there's 26 current student-athletes and a member of Iowa Athletics are being investigated. There's really not much concrete news other than what the Gaming Commission has put out. They have said that, you know, right now they're not investigating point shaving by any means, but you know, given the rules of college gambling in general, if you are a student athlete, you cannot gamble on anything. So let's say you're a college golfer. You cannot bet on the Warriors-Lakers game tonight, which I, I personally disagree with. But I think it's just the premise of gambling itself that they want to eliminate. So that's why that rule is in place. And I will say this. I'm 100% certain that this is not just an Iowa State and an Iowa issue. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I think there's going to be a lot of news that comes out about this from behind the scenes. I've talked to a couple higher up people in athletics, not at Iowa, but from some other programs. And they did say, quote, this is the tip of the iceberg. So there's really not much too concrete right now. There's a lot of rumors floating around. So I don't want to put that out. I think it's irresponsible to pre-incriminate anybody. So the best thing I would say is just pay attention to social media, pay attention to HawkeyeInsider.com. This is literally going to be a day-by-day -day process, and who knows how deep this is actually going to go. So we're going to take a quick, quick break. Thank you to, to everybody that submitted some questions. I'm going to be back with Sean Bach for the second half of this podcast that we will dive into you know, more recruiting stuff with Portal Fran, what's the new with Iowa cornerback target Antonio Carter, and much, much more. So stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back for the second half of the Swarmcast podcast. Really appreciate 24-7 uh, Sports' Hawkeye insider, Sean Bach, for hopping on this. Uh, a lot of recruiting questions from you guys, and understandably so. Iowa, Caleb Brown in the mix this past week. A huge addition for Hawkeye football. But the transfer portal still, you know, the recruiting still going on. So, uh, Sean, appreciate you hopping. Yeah, of course, Dave. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's still going on and, you know, there's still things happening, obviously not as much as there was, you know, in the last window and again, Caleb Brown is something that seemed to really ignite the Iowa fan base the past couple of weeks or the past week, honestly, but there's still, you know, there's still a couple, you know, especially one spot that I think Iowa is still kind of looking to, to develop or at least land another guy. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, Sean, let's just start right from the top. We got a lot of, you know, men's basketball and football questions. But Portal Fran, is he going after anybody else or is the roster going to be settled? If you have not heard, Iowa has added Belmont transfer Evan Bronze from Iowa City West High School. You know, we kind of knew this was in the works for a while, Sean, but this is the first time it's really coming to fruition and the, they officially announced it. And we, we've dove into a little bit of it in past podcasts, but is the roster settled or do you think Iowa's still trying to monitor? I think it, it sounds like it's settled right now. I mean, getting someone like Grant Nelson from North Dakota State, that would obviously be a, be a home run addition. And Iowa has done its homework there, but you know, there's going to be a lot of blue blood schools that go after him. Arkansas is a school that's been mentioned a lot. But right now, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that are critical about Fran McCaffrey's transfer portal hall and, you know, not getting, you know, as many guys as Kirk did or, you know, maybe not getting a guard. But it's important to remember that Ben Cricky, the Valparaiso transfer, was the guy that Iowa and Fran McCaffrey wanted. I was told very early in the portal process that, Cricky was the guy that Iowa wanted. He was the guy at the top of the board. And I think people don't really realize how good Cricky was last year for Valpo. Valpo was a bad team, not a good team in the MAC or in the Missouri Valley. But it's important to remember that the Missouri Valley is probably one of the more competitive mid-major conferences. You know, I know it was yeah. a one bid, I know it was a one bid league last year. But they're really good teams like Drake, you know, Bradley, Belmont, Southern Illinois was good. Indiana State's got some good talent. You know, Murray State's a tough team. You and I, I know they had a down year, but they're a pretty good squad. And, I mean, think about, like, the top five players in the Missouri Valley this year. I mean, you look at Tucker DeVries. You know, if his dad wasn't there at Drake, he would probably end up at a high major school. You know, you look at Marcus Domask, who is going to going to Illinois now. Mm-hmm. You look at Ben Shepard from Belmont. I can't exactly remember where. I think Shepard's – he's going to the NBA draft, but he averaged 18.9 points per game, three assists, was first team All-Missouri Valley, six foot six, has the extra year of eligibility, but he's going to the NBA draft out of the Missouri Valley. Then you have Roman Penn, who I think was a six-year guy at Drake. Very good guard. And then Rink Mass from Bradley, who Iowa had on campus, and Nebraska ended up landing him. That's a pretty good – and, you know, there's a bunch of depth in the league too. That's a pretty good league or a pretty good crop of players for a mid-major conference. And it's hard to win in the Valley. I mean, it, it's, not, it's not easy to win the Valley. Yeah. It's a very tough league. Um, I know, you know, it's going to be a big adjustment to the Big Ten, but hey, I mean, look at Drake. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. My memory, you know, is kind of screwing with me sometimes with the offseason coming up and, you know, football and basketball and kind of getting things mixed up. But Drake was really close to beating Miami in the round of 64. 
And we I all believe know that's true. I need to remember yeah, what the it was score a seven was. Point, it was a seven-point game. Yep. Drake had a five-point lead at the end of the first half. Then Miami just kind of closed the deal in the final six minutes. I think the Bulldogs went through a drought at the very end. Yeah, but back to my point, I mean, that's a very good conference. And you have to remember that Cricky did not have a lot of pieces around him. And, you know, just the amount of things that you can do with him on offense. I mean, you can work with him off the ball. You know, you can have guys working off the ball. You can have him, you know, with the dribble, you know, creating. Just the amount of things that you can do with him offensively makes, you know, a lot of sense for what Iowa wants. And, you know, he averaged 20-5 and last year for the Beacons. A very good, you know, overall player. And obviously athleticism, there's going to be some deficiencies there. But he moves well. He has good footwork. You know, he like I said, he's a good passer. He sees the floor really well. You know, without putting guys around him at Iowa that can, you know, have success offensively or, you know, like the type of wings that Iowa has, I mean, I think the fit makes perfect sense. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I think Iowa is still, you know, tracking it. But this is something that we've talked to a little bit about on our board, Sean. We'll move on after this. The prices these players are getting in NIL money is insane. I underestimate it a lot. I mean, I think about Hunter Dickinson. I think about some of these other top transfers. Sean, I mean, I'm not going to say exact figures because I don't know the exact figures, but I've been told that there are guys getting very high six-digit, even some seven-digit NIL deals, even for a year. Right now, I just don't know if Iowa has the capabilities to be able to go after that. And a lot of it, too, is think about Purdue, think about Villanova, think about some of these other schools. They have basketball-only collectives as well. So naturally, they could end up having more NIL money. Could that change in a few years for Iowa? Sure, but they're going to keep putting their hat in the ring. And right now, you know, with NIL being the forefront of the conversation, Fran's still going to be very careful about who he gets on his roster. So I, I do think the roster is settled right now, but of course things can change, but I, I would not expect that to happen. Uh, Sean, what's the latest with Antonio Carter? I know he was planning to start his official visit today, actually, Wednesday, May 10th, but I know you've been posting some updates on our board about that. Yeah, sounds like he's going to Notre Dame today instead of Iowa. It doesn't seem like Iowa's in the race any longer. There was some, you know, interesting stuff that was going on behind the scenes there with Carter. I think he's kind of been, you know, overwhelmed by the situation a little bit with all these schools coming in. And honestly, like part of me thinks that there was a turnoff with Iowa when it comes to depth for Carter. I think that was one thing that, you know, I think he thought that he wanted to go. I think he wants to go to a place where he wants to play right away or at least, you know, be in contention for a starting spot right away. And as we've seen the last couple of years, I mean, Iowa, that third cornerback is important for this defense. I mean, you never want to, you know, talk about injuries, but, you know, injuries have been a thing for Iowa the last couple of years in the secondary, especially at that corner spot. And, you know, Terry Roberts, I know, you know, depending on who you ask, like, he got good reps there, and that's why a lot of Power 5 schools were looking at him when he entered the transfer portal. You know, there's other guys too. I mean, Jamari Harris, like he was called in to be the, you know, starting quarterback against Kentucky in last – not this this year's bowl game, but the last year's bowl game in the Citrus Bowl. And, you know, he kind of broke out and obviously didn't play last season, but, you know, played a, 
is going to be the starter and, you know, was in contention for that starting spot alongside Riley Moss last year. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably Notre Dame, LSU, and Florida for Carter right now. I know Wisconsin was pretty involved. There were some rumblings that he was going to commit to the Badgers. Ended up not happening. He's taking more visits. But, you know, the staff is monitoring a couple guys in the portal um, at the cornerback spot. That's kind of where they need to you know, get someone right now, getting a wide receiver would, you know, another X receiver would be ideal, but you know, there's scholarship limitations that the staff has. So you can't really, you know, get, get a guy like that um, right now, especially if you're going after a corner and, you know, I think you need corner depth and, you know, that's kind of where the staff is looking right now. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are concerned about the wide receiver and understandably so. I mean, they've been injured a lot, but you look at what happened when Cooper DeGene got knocked out of the Nebraska game. And, I, again, I think T.J. Hall, I think Cohen Entringer, I think Deshaun Lee, there's other pieces that can step up and be good, but they need some proven talent. So I'm kind of with you about Antonio Carter. I know a lot of people pushed back on me on the board when I said he really wouldn't have a chance to start, but he really wouldn't have a chance to start, I don't think, Sean. But moving on here, are there any ex-receiver offensive line targets in the portal that Iowa's still after? If so, who are they? I think you kind of touched on that, Sean, unless you want to add anything. I think that Iowa's pre-sold on getting that last scholarship to a, to a cornerback at this moment. And again, I think Caleb Brown and Iowa hoping that some of the wide receivers get healthy for summer workouts and fall camp. I'm not going to say they feel content about where the wide receiver room is, but they feel like they have some pieces that can take a step forward. Yeah, yeah, you hit on the head there. I think, you know, obviously it'd be ideal to get an X, but, you know, the fact that they haven't, you know, to our knowledge, offered anyone kind of makes it a little bit telling. Uh, Switching over to basketball really quick, obviously Iowa has uh, commit in the 2024 class and Cooper Koch, son of former Hawkeye J.R. Koch. And Cooper has been playing some unbelievable basketball lately, Sean. He's been, I think, potentially ascending in the rankings with his play. Uh, but people are asking about, is there any mutual interest between Iowa and any of his teammates? Uh, well, Raleigh Burgess, um, the three-star center from Cincinnati, actually committed to Purdue a couple of weeks ago. He was a guy that Iowa liked. Obviously, you know, had that knee injury during the season, so he was out for a while. And, you know, Purdue made him a big priority. And, you know, if you're a big man, Purdue is a pretty attractive place to go to. So can't hate for that decision. Travis Perry, uh, the four-star guard from Kentucky. It's really not, you know, there's really not much interest there. I think a lot of the main schools involved are like Michigan. I know Notre Dame offered the other day. Indiana, Kentucky offered, but I'm not sure how hard they're pushing. So, you know, Iowa's been watching them, but I wouldn't I wouldn't expect any any traction there. I mean, there's he does have a teammate at Peoria, Notre Dame, six foot eight, Owen Dillon, who is a pretty int- intriguing prospect. But I think he's more of a mid-major guy right now. He and Cooper are pretty good friends, and uh, you know they're similar in a way. But I think you know Cooper's obviously you know a tad better. But Owen's gotten some pretty good offers as of late from the mid-major, mid-major, low-major ranks, and. You know, if he continues to play well in the AAU circuit, could maybe be a guy to watch, but I'm not really sure if he's what Iowa Iowa is looking for at this point in time. Sure. And last basketball question, we got a couple more for football, and we'll wrap this up. Obviously, Iowa really, really wants Donnie Freeman 
in that 2024 class as well. There's a lot of buzz at one time for Iowa and Alabama being in the mix, but he's going to be making his decision on 24-7 sports tomorrow, actually, on Thursday. But people are wondering, if you had a crystal ball, Sean, for, uh, for Donnie Freeman, where would you kind of place him at right now? Yeah, it sounds like Syracuse has all the buzz. Um, they have a couple guys – I mean, Adrian Autry, I think, is pretty tied into the team takeover program, which is where Freeman plays his AAU ball. And they have an assistant on the staff, too, that played a major role in that, you know, in that decision or, you know, potentially. Yeah, I think it's Brendan Strong is the new assistant that Syracuse hired that, you know, has those takeover ties as well. So, you know, I would I would project that the Orange get him right now. And, yeah, Iowa was involved, but. I think there was a time when, you know, Alabama would have made a lot of sense, especially selling the Brandon Miller uh, role to him eventually. But I think Syracuse, from a relationship standpoint, Cuse kind of seems to be, you know, at the top right now. And obviously Iowa often, I mean, Iowa recruiting in 2024 has been off to, a, I would say, a very, very strong start. I believe they're in the top 15 by the 24-7 sports rankings. A member of the 2024, not of – the, a class, but not of Iowa's class. And a guy that is incredibly talked about on our board is specialist <laughs> Drew Miller. I mean, Sean, uh, is Iowa going to offer Drew Miller or is it not going to happen? I, I mean, our board has been very adamant that they want him. I believe he's the number one specialist in the country, he has offers from virtually everywhere in the country and not Iowa, despite having some Iowa ties. Yeah, it's. It's going to be interesting. I mean, there's a big camp on June 15th for the specialists that Drew Miller doesn't plan on going to, but there have been a couple names that I've heard been thrown around that I haven't made, that haven't been made public, been asked to keep those quiet, that, you know, Iowa's evaluating really closely. And obviously Miller is in contention for a potential offer, a potential preferred walk-on spot. Iowa invited him on campus for an official visit. But there are a couple other names that are worth mentioning too that I'll be able to talk about closer to the date. So, yeah, I mean, I was still definitely pursuing Drew. It's obviously a unique recruitment given that he's the number one punter in the nation, grew up a big Iowa fan. You know, he's getting offered full-ride offers from Georgia, you know, NC State, you know, Iowa State, Michigan. Like, those are, those are you know, full-ride offers from those programs for specialists is no joke. So, you know, it's it's a unique situation, but, you know, Iowa continues to do its homework, continues to monitor them, and, and we'll see what what happens. I think we'll have more clarity on what the specialist, you know, board looks like after that camp. And who knows, maybe there'll be another Tory Taylor that comes up. Then to wrap up this Swarmcast mailbag, percentage chance Iowa lands Jose Epinesa, and we all know – his brother, you know, AJ, his father, Epi, it's been a very prominent name in Hawkeye football. And you'll say might be the best. I believe he's a top, what, top 25, top 30 prospect by 24-7 sports, maybe a little bit higher, maybe a little bit lower. Obviously, he's held an Iowa offer for a long time. Sean, is that a potential crystal ball for you? And then to add on to that, what how's Iowa looking for Nick Brooks and Thomas Meyer? Again, two top 247 prospects that Iowa has been kind of, you know, buzzed around a little bit with. Yeah, Yose, I mean, that's going to be one I think that's kind of similar to AJ's recruitment where 
you know, Iowa's always going to be a top contender, but as we've seen already, Yose is going to look around and see, you know, what other options he has and get a feel for everything. I know Ed, that's a big thing with Epi, you know, being a, being a dad, he wants them to, you know, not look for, you know, what the family wants or what the family grew up on, but he wants to, you know, see what's the best fit for them, for their academics and their college football career. I know Utah is pretty involved. Miami is a school potentially to watch. Um, Colorado got a visit. Illinois got a visit in the fall. He visited Iowa, obviously. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, Iowa is going to be in really, really good shape in that one. You know, obviously there's still a little bit to go, but I think Iowa is going to be tough to beat at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, Thomas Meyer, Nick Brooks, the top two prospects in the state of Iowa for the 2025 class. Meyer is the top dog. And he's the guy that Iowa really wants at that tight end spot. You know, Iowa's talked to him about playing defensive line as well, but I think tight end is where he's going to end up. You know, he's a big kid. I went to go see him a couple weeks ago. Big kid, looks the part. Still pretty raw in some areas, but, you know, he's got the athletic profile that you want. He's got the frame. It's a chance that he's not done growing either. So he could be a pretty pretty big weapon. I think Iowa is, is going to be in a really good spot there for the – for the time being, you know, it'd be interesting to see if other schools come in, but honestly, it would not surprise me to see them make a decision this summer, potentially in the fall, and that would bode well for Iowa. Um, Nick Brooks, I mean, him moving back to Cedar Rapids from Georgia, I think that kind of says a lot about, you know, where things are trending. You know, I've been told he doesn't really want to go far from home again. You know, he's really close with his mom, really close with his siblings, his little brother's. Um, and you know, Iowa city is obviously 40, 30, 35 minutes down the road from Cedar Rapids. So that's going to be, that's going to be a real player for him. Proximity is important. Um, and you know, I think that bodes well for Iowa too. So, you know, if they could get both those guys in the fold really early, that 2025 class is a lot of potential. They're offering a couple guys in Florida. Obviously that's more wait and see at this point. Um, because, you know, they're kids from Florida. They're going to get everything. Yeah. And, you know, un- until they make a trip up to Iowa, then you can really, then you kind of have to wait and see if, you know, Iowa's ever going to be a contender for them. But, you know, they're kind of shooting for the stars in this 2025 class. You know, they're going to try and get some, in some pretty big recruiting battles. There's a couple in state kids that are pretty intriguing that I think they'll offer down the line. But, you know, if you're looking at three perennial guys at the top of the board, you know, it's Epinesa, Brooks, and Meyer. Thing is, too, if Iowa gets those guys in the fold early, Sean, that's just a really powerful foundation for the 2025 class and how special it can be because we've talked about how, how many times have we said this, dudes recruit dudes, and all three of those guys have potential to be dudes. I mean, two, I mean, three top 247 prospects, maybe all top 200 prospects when it's all said and done, so – That'd be a big boost for that. So, Sean, I appreciate you hopping on so people can get some more insight for the recruiting stuff. And uh, be sure to follow us at Hawkeyes on 247 at David I. Gold at SBOC 247. Be sure to stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the most in-depth coverage of your Iowa Hawkeyes. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. 
It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.